This is Marianne Window. And this is Mary Lloyd. Welcome to episode two of our podcast. Yay, we made it to two. Well, that's yet to be decided, but <laughs> in theory we have because we're here. Mm. Um, Hello. What's our po- podcast called again? How the hell did that happen? And the reason I asked you that is because you're going to tell me a story and I'm going to say, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> I know, right? I know. Oh, God. This story, I, I, I've heard bits of this story, but I want to hear it again <laughs> because I couldn't believe my ears when you told it to it's me. It's funny. A it's few so years funny. ago. What year are we talking here? I guess it would have been maybe 97 I think <laughs> so 90 no 95 I don't even know it was I don't before know. you recorded it was in the 90s <laughs> it was before you recorded got no shadow now while before you launch into this story we've got something to say about got no shadow it's had a birthday mm, yeah 20 years 20 years, 1998, and to mark Mm -hmm. that celebratory occasion, you've had a reissue on vinyl. I did, yeah. Fire Records put it out. and Yay, fire. Yay, (laughs) fire, exactly, because it's never been on vinyl before, has it? No, it hasn't. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. Um, You know, I I think about that record and... um, what might have become, as you know, uh, the record was released in, I think, February of 98. And um, I was pregnant <laughs> within a month of its release. Um, so uh, that happened. And um, the plans to tour um, and promote, it all went out the window. And I um, ended up going back home and having a baby instead. Um, But as it were, uh, the label kind of folded within the year anyway. It was during that time when um, there was massive shakeups going on in the the industry when Smirnoff Vodka or something bought Universal and then uh, all these labels just kind of folded and I would have gotten bumped over to Epic um, and instead I just, I was released. So it sort of all worked out, but it was a really, really shitty time. Um, as far as, it was a good time for me, life, having a baby and living life, but um, it was a really crazy time for the record industry itself. So yeah, that record, I'd, it didn't, actually it was never realized uh to its full potential um but uh yeah it's great and i'm honored that it's been reissued that's really cool and do you know what if it was released in february i actually saw you play that gig at the troubadour in march 1998 and I can tell you exactly when it was. It was Wednesday, March the 18th, <laughs> because oh I have God. the poster. Wow, that's cool. I got a free poster when I bought the CD, oh, wow. and I bought the CD at the gig because I oh thought it God. was really good. That's so cool. Yep. Um, 
so it must have been yeah just a few days just a few days (laughs) after that that annabelle was conceived i know yeah Yeah. that's so crazy (laughs) it's so crazy (laughs) because here we are how did here we are i know 20 (laughs) years ago when i just happened to walk into that gig how would i know that i'd be doing this podcast with you now I know, right? And I remember Elliot Smith was playing at that gig too because he came out and played guitar on Shake Sugary. He did. Yeah, that was a really special special show. He was there, I think, w- with Minnie Driver. Yeah. <laughs> How did she get she to be cool. there? How the hell did that I, happen? Well, Goodwill Hunting, maybe? Oh, I think maybe, that be yeah. So yeah. she was getting all Oscar ready. Yeah, you know, chumming around. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, um, I'd never heard Elliot Smith before, really, apart from that movie, ha- hearing the song, but I didn't really know what he looked like because I don't think it had Ooh. been. I don't think that album had been released in Australia. It might have, but it didn't get much outside, you know, the independent radio stations. And I didn't really look at videos or anything back then. But um, I remember I thought, oh, who's this guy? God, he's really good. That guitar playing Mm. is amazing because he was just Mm -hmm. like finger picking without even looking. You know, he was just doing it like he would breathe. And it was just like, yeah. you know, so it looked so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I know. The, that was one of the first things about Elliot that I noticed. I I saw him, um, I think it was at the Elvis Room in Seattle for the first time. And I had never heard him um, at all before I saw him the first time I heard him. And he was playing some really crappy guitar and I thought how in the world is he making that crappy guitar sound so good um but it was him you know he, it was just this effortless look at how easy this looks when everything is going on oh yeah. my god and it was like even when he was just playing like sitting in in your band with an acoustic guitar and you had like the full extravaganza but <laughs> that guitar just shone through and burned in my memory I can even remember Mm. what he was wearing he was like dressed in like a black sort of sweater and you know he had his his hat on and you know (laughs) his little beanie and then like two days later I was at the hotel and I was watching tv the Oscars were on and I went and he came out in that white suit and I went that's the guy (laughs) that's the guy that's the guy and then I put Mm -hmm. it all together and realized. Ah, so cool. That's the guy. I know. <laughs> how the hell did that happen? I know. <laughs> and I can tell you how the hell that, that happened. It's because I was um, in an argument with someone on Sunset Boulevard mm. and I thought, I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just drove around and then I saw that there was something on. Good old Troubadour. <laughs> yeah. And I saw your name and I thought, oh, Mary Lou Lord. That's the person that Sean Colvin sang on a record, I remember, Mm. because we'd just done a tour with Sean Colvin. Right. And in Australia, it was like a promo tour for Sony. um, Yeah. And so I thought, oh, that that must be good then. (laughs) I better go in. 
I better check <laughs> it out. And I was just on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think I even shelled out for valet parking because I didn't mm-hmm. know any better in those days. Mm-hmm. I wasn't That's picking great. up the tab. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah. I know. I know. But anyway, those were the days and those mm-hmm. days are back because the record's back. Yeah, the record's out and uh, it's. I think it's a Rough Trade Fire uh, co co-issue um and if people are looking for it i reckon that they can go to the fire records website and order it from there well i ordered Mm -hmm. one from there yeah did you get the purple vinyl i did (laughs) i got the purple awesome i know but i kind of don't want to play it i think i'll just play Mm. the black one Mm -hmm. we'll see but you had some pretty amazing people playing on that record besides Elliot. i did oh yeah it was just like what? Did you just <laughs> wake get, me like, up when it's? A- <laughs> I know. Did you just get a list to go? I'll have that one on that, and I'll have that one on that, and I, I think I'll, I think I'll just get Roger McGuinn to play on that. <laughs> we wanted. Um, oh God, but oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a a brain block right now. Um, on his lamest flame. Um, Scotty Moore. Oh my God! You could have had <laughs> the million dollar quartet. There would have been a couple well, alive back then. Well, we've thought you know it was kind of this funny little song uh, that we wanted to put, um, make a little rockabilly kind of a video and have people dancing and um, and we thought, oh well, this would be really cool if we had like Scotty Moore play guitar on it. Um, uh, but he um, de- he declined. <laughs> mm, <damn laughs> uh, shocker, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we. Uh, oh my god, the lineup on that on that record is is really amazing. Mm-hmm. I know. And just getting back to that song, his name is Flame. I love that song, and it's so cool because yeah. obviously the Elvis references, and you know I love the King, and um, it was just <laughs> really cool. It was very clever. Did you write that? It was with very me? clever. Did you Nick. write that with Nick? Yeah. Nick Solomon, Bevis Fraun, of course. Yeah, the master. Yeah, and you just recently did a gig with him too. I'm so mad I mm. missed it by like a week. I know. Oh. What were you thinking? Well, I saw the Grand Canyon at least. <laughs> I had to go to the Grand Canyon because the Brady Bunch went to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I know. I know, oh but God. I booked that first. You could have at least <laughs> thought of me when you booked the show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Never mind. I didn't book it. No, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm only kidding. It was yeah. very cool that you got to do that. It was good. Yeah. It it sort of tied it ties everything together, doesn't it? Because you had that close collaboration 20 years ago, and now the record's That's right. back out again. And and it yeah, and that gig um, <clears throat> it was a benefit for the TED Rock Fund, um, which is a benefit for. Uh, a music program for children, underprivileged children, um, which is amazing. And it just kind of, it turned out that uh, it was on the same, <coughs> excuse me, the same day of the records release, the the re- records reissue. So that was awesome. Wow. That's amazing. And I've seen it in the stores too. I saw one in Amoeba when I was there in cool in Hollywood. So it was there. I always check through and do a full scour of the racks. 
Well, I was naturally. actually well, I was actually in there, and Richard Lloyd from television was doing an in-store. Cool. And he was playing acoustic guitar, which was unexpected. Yeah, but it was really that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Just a yeah, I saw your picture with Sid, Sid Straw. Yes, we love yeah. Sid. It was so funny because yeah. I didn't. Sid isn't Sid. <laughs> I know. I didn't know she was going to be there and she didn't know yeah. I was going to be there because we both went by ourselves. And then we went, ah! Yeah. And I said, I know I've been in LA too long when I run into people, when I run into friends at various things. Mm, you did a lot. I did. You did a lot. <laughs> I did do a lot. I had a good time. Now mm-hmm. back to the real world, which is summer in mm-hmm. Australia, which isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. But still. Right. All right. So what story are you going to tell us today, Mary Lou? I'm going to tell a story of uh, how I met Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> and Buffett. Buffett. Oh my god. Was so he wearing this a, is a f- was he wearing a floral <laughs> shirt? Uh I think so. Yeah, I think he c- quite possibly might have been shorts. Yeah. Bermuda Absolutely. Shorts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And did he have a George Hamilton? Will tan? you please stop stop right now? Stop. <laughs> yeah. So do you want me to tell my story? I want you to tell a story. Go ahead. All right. So it was in some some time in the nineties. I don't remember when, but I had met um, um, Irving Azoff of all people. (laughs) And uh, right. So this is before I had a a record deal, and um, his label Giant were interested in signing me. So he took me to the Ivy, um, and we were chatting, and he said something like, so why do you want a, um, ha- why do you want a major label deal? And I made a joke. It, it was a, meant to be a joke, um, and I said, so I can have Russ Kunkel play on my record. And mind you, I, I knew basically who Russ Kunkel was. James Taylor. But, <laughs> I had everyone and, you know, him and Keltner, right? Yeah. So I had a basic knowledge of Russ Kunkel. And, but it was, it was kind of a joke. My friend Stephen used to always, always talk about Russ Kunkel. And, um, and you know, if he ever got the chance to uh, make a record with Russ Kunkel, it would be his dream, whatever. So I said, well, if I want Russ Kunkel to play drums on my record, I can. Now can I? And he's like, oh, Russ Kunkel, eh? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Russ Kunkel. So we um, <clears throat> finished up the conversation, and and thank you very much. Um, and I I went out on a tour, and I was, it was probably about two months after meeting Irving Azoff that I was in a hotel in Portland. I was on tour with Pete Droge, um, who I love. Um, and the phone rings. And this, this is before cell phones, all that before internet. And and I answered the phone and I said, "Who who is this again?" And he said, "Hey, Mary Lou, this this is Russ, Russ Kunkel." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, hey, Russ, how you doing?" You know, pulling fucking. 
out of my ass, right? Like, how you doing, bro? <laughs> and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm in Portland, Oregon. And he's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, where are you? And he said, I'm in Nassau. He was in the Bahamas. Um, and I said, I knew I was going to be in Key West the next day, right? I was flying from Portland to Key West for some crazy reason. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in Key West tomorrow. And he's like, oh, me too. <laughs> I'm like, really? So he's like, here's my number. Call me when you get here. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I took the number, uh, went to Key West. Three days go by, and of course, I'm, I'm like, well, I can't call Russ Kunkel. I have nothing. I don't know what I'm going to talk to him about. I barely know who he is, whatever. I couldn't, I couldn't Wikipedia him because no internet. <laughs> and it was just like, whatever. So I'm in Key West, and uh, I, I saw a few friends of mine walking, walking around, and I'm like, hey. And I knew they were buskers from Boston, and... Um, they let me use their amplifier. So I was busking on the third day that I got to Key West. I was just there on like a little vacation because record labels were flying me around to meetings at that time. Um, so I was busking and the amp, I remember it was starting to run out of juice and it was really distorted. It was the end of the night and I was just about to leave and this guy was watching me and he's like, Mary Lou and I'm like uh, Russ uh. <laughs> right <laughs> and he's like oh hey and he's like how long have you been here and I'm like oh a couple days he's like well, why didn't you call me I'm like oh I lost your number um, and he's like well you did a good job of finding me because you're right under my hotel window and I'm like oh my god wow you know so <laughs> or something like that you he's know. probably been uh, stalking and, and, you for a couple of days and then no, you were lying no so he said you know ready for dinner want to go to dinner and I'm like oh yeah okay cool uh, so we went um, what he was doing there was he was producing a record for Jimmy Buffett and <clears throat> we went to um get something to eat and then he's said do you want to hear the record okay cool so we went to jimmy's house um maybe like one of his houses or something where the studio was and we heard the record and that was cool and um and then he said to me that jimmy wants to meet you he wants to take you to lunch and so let's do that tomorrow okay so <laughs> i i go to lunch with russ and meet jimmy buffett and the and the band and it was really nice and cool and whatnot, um, yeah. So I was uh, hanging out in Key West for um, a couple of days and hanging out with Russ Kunkel and Jimmy Buffett. Um, so that was really fun. Um, obviously, as it were, we went sailing. We did a bunch of really fun Key West type things, and then. I was going to leave, um, and Russ said to me, he's like, you know, um, Jimmy wants to fly you to Palm Beach b because his daughter, Savannah, <laughs> is a fan of yours, and um, and she wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, one step closer to Boston, I was thinking. <laughs> um, and, and I thought um, that I would take, like, one of those little Gulfstream shuttles up to up to um, Key uh, pa uh, West Palm Beach or wherever it was Palm Beach. <laughs> so Russ 
takes me to the airport like the next day and um mind you before meeting Jimmy Buffett the only time I had ever really seen Jimmy Buffett was on TV um after he crashed his pontoon and he was <laughs> on the news and he was crawling out of the the lagoon with like thumbs up like like I'm okay and oh, I, and I remember God. looking and my mother was there and I said look I'm like Jimmy Buffett crashed his plane ha 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 you know and I'm like but he's okay it's funny <laughs> right so <laughs> so Russ takes me to the the little airport in Key West and um and we drive out to the tarmac and i'm like why is jimmy buffett fucking around with the engine (laughs) why is jimmy fucking around with the engine and it was this little learjet plane it was really nice plane and he said he looked at me he goes don't worry he's an excellent pilot i'm like oh jesus christ no 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 (laughs) you know you know i i hate flying anyway so oh god so anyway i get in the plane um, Jimmy Buffett flies it. I'm the only passenger. I'm sitting in the back, white knuckled. Um, and he was actually, uh, of course, he was an excellent pilot. Um, so we flew into Palm Beach and he dropped me off at the airport. Um, I think it was a Ramada. It was at the airport. Um, and he said, uh, help yourself to anything. I'll be back at seven with Savannah for dinner. We'll go to dinner. <laughs> I said, okay. So he picks me up in, in his Range Rover uh, with Savannah, his daughter. She was about 15, I guess, teenager. And um, we go to dinner and we had sushi. We were having sushi. I'd never had sushi before. And he forgot his wallet. So I, I said, oh, that's okay, Jim, I got this. So I remember I paid for it. And he felt he felt really bad, but that was fine. And then we drove all around West Palm Beach. And there's my high school. There's this, there's that Savannah. She was she was a sweet kid. Um, and then after driving around with Savannah and Jimmy, he dropped me off at the hotel. And after this long day, um, I really needed a drink. (laughs) So I go to the bar and it's mainly pilots because it's at this um, um, airport, Ramada, whatever. And so I'm hanging out with all these pilots and uh, open bar, yay! Um, and so a few hours, <laughs> a few hours later, three sheets to the wind. I'm in my room with my new friend Jim, and uh, not Jimmy Buffett. No, no, no. This guy, his name, his name was Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, not Jimmy Buffett. This a pilot. He was um, this young, handsome pilot. <laughs> so we're hanging out, and uh, I, I was like dude, you got to go get something. So he goes to get something and I'm waiting for him and I'm waiting and waiting. And finally I'm like ready to, I'm just so tired at this point. So I go to put a note out in the hallway saying, Hey Jim, I, um, I I had to go to bed, whatever. So I was putting the note in the hallway and there was this breezy balcony, right? (laughs) And the the breeze like came in, whoosh, and it, and it uh, shut the door behind me, right? And I'm in the fucking hallway completely naked oh with this my stupid God. note in my room. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, shit, what do I do, right? So I'm in the hallway, 
and I go out to the little foyer in front of the elevators and there's a couch there with the <laughs> just a couch no phone um and it's two in the morning at this point I think um and the but on the couch, there's these like little arm doily things at the, at the end of the. <laughs> so I sit there and I put the arm doilies over me and I'm waiting and waiting. And finally, I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Right. So I, I got up completely naked, walked into the glass elevator, um, go downstairs, go down, all the way down, and march through the lobby completely oh my naked. God. At least and it was to <laughs> two in the morning. I know, but still. So walk through the lobby <laughs> and, you know, the one of the guys came up with his suit jacket and put it on me immediately. But I was going to say, I need a, I was going to say a key and a towel. So anyway, I, I go back upstairs to the room and I, I kid you not, like the three minutes later, knock, knock. And I'm like, I've gone to bed. <laughs> and Where were you I, when I needed you? Oh, my God. So, yeah, the next day I flew back to Boston. And um, and that was my Jimmy Buffett story. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's like a dream. Like, you know, when you dream that you like that you lost your clothes or, you, or your teeth fall out. <laughs> oh, my God. But the, the, to add insult to injury, it was a glass elevator. I know, so, right? So here you are naked yeah. right in the middle of the hotel, <laughs> the lift shaft going down. Ah, it's not even a corner that you could hide in. <laughs> I know. Imagine if a busload oh, of Chinese man. tourists had a rolled up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you oh, imagine? Yeah. Rock and roll. Oh, my God, that so. is rock and roll. How random is that? That's just like a dream well that is a dream because it well a nightmare really but (laughs) i tell you what though (laughs) flying flying on the plane with jimmy and having him fly it oh my god well you had all these things happen that were totally um like out of your comfort in one day i know in one week it's like you had to lie to russ kunkel (laughs) you had to yeah but i didn't i left i left out a little chunklet of the story what happened was uh russ you know he's down there and he said so do you want to go sailing on sunday and this was like thursday or something and i said no no i'm busy i'm busy sunday um and he's like all right well whatever because i thought oh my god i can't go sailing with russ kunkel like touch it like i was already freaked out um so i met the the two girls that lent me the amp they're Names are Adrian and Marcia, and they used to play in a Harvard Square busking. And I knew them, and those are the people that I saw when I was down in Key West, and they were living in an apartment above this really nice, cool restaurant called The Blue Heaven. And um, so the owners of The Blue Heaven uh, have a had a boat, right? So... So Russ says to me, do you want to go sailing? I said, no. And Adrian and Marcia, my old buddies from Boston, they're like, do you want to go sailing Sunday? And I said, oh, sure, that's no problem. (laughs) So I went to the dock to meet up with Adrian and Marcia on that Sunday. And who's there but Russ? Oh, my God. Was he (laughs) on the same trip? 
He was on the same boat, oh. yes. And so because he's he was friends with the owners of the Blue Heaven, and Adrian and Marcia lived with those people. So what a crazy small world, right? Oh, my God. So, yeah, so I went sailing with Russ, and that was, it turned out to be amazing, right? Um, so that was a little snippet of the story that I left out. But that entire week was just bonkers. It really was. That is crazy. <laughs> and did he end up playing drums on anything that you ever recorded? Nah, I didn't. I In the end, I did not sign with Giant Records with Irving Azoff and... Um, and neither did I, but it was interesting because um, Russ was kind of representing Jimmy Buffett, who had his own little label at the time, and he was interested in signing me. Mm. Um, so that's how that would have probably worked out. I think it was like an imprint of um, like the Chris Blackwell, maybe Island, or it was one of those little uh, boutique labels affiliated with all that. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it would have been amazing to have Russ Kunkel play. I mean, now I know who he is, and of course, but <laughs> at the time I was just like, what? I just <laughs> I know him no from idea. those, um, remember those BBC Live James Taylor from like the early 70s? And I think yeah. Russ was drumming on those. On those, you yeah. see the footage and you see him drumming. I mean, he's an amazing drummer. But Amazing drummers played on uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. like just in the groove, kind of solid. Mm. Like Keltner, really. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of those guys, and just one yeah. of those people that just is no show pony, but just does it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they don't have to yep. do anything flashy. They just naturally are on the money all the time. Hmm. So, yeah, Russ Kunkel turned out to be an amazing guy, really laid back, down to earth, salt of the earth kind of a person, Um, good people. Just remind me again, what are the big things that Russ Kunkel played on besides James Taylor? Uh, Right. Um, Well, obviously Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) Ha-ha. Yeah. Uh, Volcano. Um, boats, beaches, bars, and ballads. Uh, <laughs> um, man, so much. Uh, some Tracy Chapman stuff, uh, David Crosby stuff, um, Dylan, New Morning, wow. uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Masterpieces, um, Dan Fogelberg, um, some of the big stuff he was on he played on tapestry carol king that's right yeah and it looks like the, like all the jackson brown stuff Joni mitchell blue what oh, wow. for the roses ladies of the canyon um so this stevie nicks belladonna um nitty-gritty dirt band dolly parton Linda Ronstadt, like everything. So <laughs> big, big troubadour, troubadour guy, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, right? How you kind of, 
that was the first place you saw me. And then here I am flying on a plane with Jimmy Buffett, right? So it's all related. And you know what else is really um, funny about that too? Because the next day after I saw you play, I think I saw um, Chris Whitley do a solo show at the Troubadour, maybe that night or the next night, and uh, the next night or the one after. And he he was on the same label as you, the work label, because he had that acoustic album out, Dirt Floor, uh-huh. and that's what he was right. playing. And then the next day after that, I went with um, Monique Brumby, who I was in L.A. with, and she was signed to Sony at the same time, and she's got a dog called April. That's weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. And and we had a meeting with Randy Jackson, and I said, "Oh, we just saw um, we just I just saw Mary Lou Lord," and he goes, "Oh, she's great," and we had a big conversation about you, because you were on Sony at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So it all comes back around. It really does. It's a very small world. Um, so, and now, as we know, Phoebe Bridges has done a Christmas song with Jackson Brown. How cool is that? I right? know. And how cool uh, is it that we got to talk to Phoebe Bridges? Which our we first be... interview. Yay. <laughs> I know. People yeah. are going to love it, I think, even though we sound like we're, you know, Deer in the headlights, <laughs> Cindy Brady Baton Rouge moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, what's the capital of Louisiana? <laughs> Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge. Tell the people what. The, yeah, so Marianne and I were huge Brady, uh, huge Brady Bunch fans, and if some of you guys might remember the episode when. Uh, Cindy Brady went on the game show and um, they asked her what's the capital of Louisiana and she totally knew that it was Baton Rouge because they had coached her for weeks but she (laughs) saw the camera and she saw that red light (laughs) and she froze and that's what we do sometimes oh my god that is so So. funny that you just said that because in my mind I saw Cindy sitting there in her plaits looking at that red light on that big old camera. <laughs> that was the best. And so of course when we when we try to tell the the joke to Phoebe, she's looking at us like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, she, but then again she's twenty four years old. She does she doesn't know. You I know, know but I mean? she's an old soul because she listens to She is to an old music. soul but Right, but she probably wasn't wasting her time watching the Brady Bunch. No, but like, we forget that yeah. she's not like of the same one vintage. of us. Yeah, <laughs> because she yeah, she's one to, of us, but she she is because she listens yeah. to the music that is of that vintage. But obviously, TV's another story. You're right. I, yeah, so she didn't get our joke, but that's okay. I mean, we tell jokes all the time that I I don't even know if I get <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, uh, yes, we did have an earlier Brady Bunch reference in this podcast episode when we talked about the Grand Canyon, but mm. that's it. That's forever. Ev- Bobby! Etched right. on my mind as well. Yeah. I actually wanted to take the donkey down. I wanted to go down on the donkey. <laughs> well, that didn't, that, didn't sound, that didn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> down, down to the 
wrap this podcast no you cannot cut that out <laughs> you're cutting it out i'm never gonna let you live that down you're down the dog the, the fuck is wrong with you i'm cutting that out oh, marion's going down the donkey <laughs> i'm cutting that okay. out okay all right you what do what you want but if i think i it's don't perfect. cut that out i'm putting in the story about you shitting in the woods <laughs> Does a bear shit in the woods? Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, that's not that. No, it's a joke. All right, so let's wrap. You have to leave that because that's really funny, but we'll wrap this podcast up <laughs> where I'll tell a little story about uh, when I was on tour with Guided by Voices, um, also known as the Guided by Bud Light tour, where we played in the afternoon at um university of california um university of california irvine i think in orange county i might be wrong about where it was but um so it was me and i opened then guided by voices and then no doubt um were the headliner and we played in the afternoon um and we imbibed very heavily so somehow we made it up to san diego where we played at the casbah um which is this really cool rock club where i think it's kind of close to the airport because i remember these planes coming down really low right over the roof of the casbah and anyway uh i was opening for for gbv and i um I don't know why, but Robert got the notion, and this is, we had been drinking all day, and it's probably about 9 o'clock, 9.30, and Robert, in the middle of one of my slow ballads, comes, jumps on the stage, and he wants to tell a joke, (laughs) right? So I'm like, okay, have at it. Here's the mic. So he's up there, and he's telling this joke, and the and it took him, I swear to God, Marianne, it took him about 45 minutes to tell one joke. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so, but the joke is uh, a bear and a rabbit are in the woods. And the bear the bear says to the rabbit, do you have a problem with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, no, I don't. And the bear says, good. And he picks up the rabbit and wipes his ass with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good so, joke, anyway. but I can't imagine how you could drag it out for 45 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it went on and on and on and on and on. I know. It was perfect. So I guess that wraps up uh, episode number two. It does. And mm. we still want to hear from people. So there's a little button on our Facebook page and it says email us. So contact us with your how the hell did that happen story and and, yes. and we might read out the best ones yes and we'll we read will out, we'll read definitely out. yeah we'll read sorry out we will be we, <laughs> <laughs> we will be revisiting some of the better ones yeah we will sure. and if you have any fresh ones email them to us and we'll read them out 
Awesome. Because we'll run out of, well, we'll never run out of stories, let's face it. Well, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) I might. (laughs) We'll make new ones. Okay. All right. So don't forget, like the page and we'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya.